Now, I was guilty of doing what some white people do today. And that is, I crush all white people together. And I say, white people are evil. White people hate black folks. Welcome to the Character Matters Podcast, where key issues are put to the litmus test instead of the mainstream media. Let's get it started with your host, Gregory Trent. Welcome back to the Characters Matters Podcast. I'm your host, Brother Gregory Trent, and we are knee-deep into some great discussion with Pastor Marvie's Trent of the Lighthouse Church there in Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania, and the author of the book, Journey. We have delved into a biblical response to racism and some real-life occurrences in his life and in current events today. So let's go back into that riveting discussion with Pastor Maurice Trent. White people are evil. White people hate black folks. Now, now understand what I'm saying. I didn't hate white people because of the, the color of their skin. Right. I hated white people because of what they did to me. Right. But when I gave my life to Jesus Christ, God yes. had to deal with that area of my life. Yes. And and he had to show me that that, that love transcends. My God. And and when that love began to transcend, then I began to be able to see people for who they are. Yes. You understand what I'm saying? Yes. And, and so, unfortunately, we have some black churches who, because of the racism and because of the oppression, they have developed this hatred, not because of the skin of white people, mm. but because of the oppression. Mm. And but but we as a Christian people have to understand that this goes deeper than the flesh. Yeah, there there is an enemy called Satan, mm. worse in racism, who worse in hatred, and he is the one that we should be hating, not our brothers. Because if we hate our brothers, our white brothers, we won't pray for our white brothers. Yes. If we hate our white brothers then we can't come and sit down at the table and have a conversation like you and I are having right now. Yes. And But but the, the fact of the matter is, light always dispels. Say that so again. I would be a hypocrite to hold hatred in my heart for my white brothers and sisters. Right. Number one. Number two, I would be a hypocrite because, as you know, we have white people in our family. Yes. Plenty. And so, <laughs> plenty of them. So it it would it would be hypocrisy. Yeah. Which I which which I walked in before Christ, but you know what? That's because my father, you know, listen to what I'm saying. My father promoted that. Mm-hmm. My my ex father, Satan. Right. That's what he promoted. He promoted hatred, prejudice, racism, all of those things. But I changed fathers. Yes. Now I have the Heavenly Father, and it's an oxymoron to say that I have a Heavenly Father, but yet I hate. Right. Hateful Christians. Um, wow. You know, I, I think I think it was Mahatma Gandhi that, that said years ago, um, I love you, Jesus. Uh, it, it's those Christians I have a problem with. And right. it was that, you know, we as as believers in America, 
and I'm talking to all believers, we were not exemplifying the character that that is Christ in the scriptures. And so we cannot be separated. We cannot be, um, you know, segregated and expect to live out the tenets of scripture. So, you know, it, it, I remember back in the, I guess it was in late 90s, early 2000s, it became very, very, very in vogue to, to grind off the emblems of your car. You had a car, a truck. Mm-hmm. The first thing you did, if it was Audi, you, you shaved off all the, the Audi symbols, symbols, you painted over it, and so the, the, the car itself had no emblem to say who the manufacturer was. And mm-hmm. I believe that, you know, we've done that in a lot of ways, and we've uh, homogenized the scriptures. We've homogenized Christianity, and so we don't know who we're supposed to look like spiritually. And mm-hmm. we should look like our father and our father is a person of love and, and all through scriptures, you know, um, even when you look at the golden rule, the golden rule comes straight out of scripture and it's at, on the halls of, of um, the United uh, uh, Nations. And, you know, this this thing of loving your neighbor as yourself, it's so powerful and yet we miss it each and every day. And so if 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 we love one another. It is critical as well for us to be able to come together and have these conversations. We have these conversations not out of hate. We have these conversations because when you're sick, you need a physician. You don't go to the doctor for the doctor to tell you what you want to hear. You go to the doctor to find out what the underlying pathology is and find out what the prognosis is, what the diagnosis is, and then what the treatment should be. And I think when we talk about racism in America and racism in the church, the, the reason why we have to hit this head on is because it's an underlying pathology that did not get better. And I'll repeat this, that did not get better with silence. The, the church okay. being silent about racism never helped the church. It never integrated the church. And when I talk about integration, I'm not talking about integration of number. I'm talking about integration of heart. I've seen churches that were integrated in number, and I'll, I'll say this uh, out, out front, where the pastors in, in, in the study would refer to the black um, patrons, uh, congregants, as their niggers. So, That's right. you know, I was in a Bible college where there was a disturbance in Bible college one day, and the professor said, of all things, a bunch of niggers causing an insurrection in the church. This was in a Pentecostal, Pentecostal spirit-filled Bible college. And these are the kind of things that continue on today, but we're, we're complicit by silence. Go ahead. You're going to say something. Yeah. You, the problem is, is we have fallen in love with Scripture, but our hearts are far from God. Yeah. And, and when that has happened, we've become like the Pharisees and the Sadducees. Yeah. Because they knew logos, right? They had all the information, but they were—they had nothing to do with Rama, right? There was no word whatsoever that was coming from their life, and so when we deal as a church, we want to take it and we want to take God and we want to put Him in in our form of religion. Because see, if it's just religion. Then you can debate, you can debate all day and all night, 
but when it comes to relationship, it's a responsibility. Mm. And so with that responsibility, God says, love your neighbors. Yeah. Well, who are my neighbors? My, my neighbors is anyone that I come in contact with. Yeah. Whether they're black, white, brown, it doesn't matter. Well, love your enemies. Do good to those who despitefully use you. Yep. See, Christ, he said, you know, I don't, I don't want you to be able to know the scriptures. I want you to be able to live the scriptures. Yes. So, so I'm, I'm going to raise the expectations. But we have become like the Pharisees. Look, look, look how they were. They knew the 630 laws of the Torah. Right. They, they knew them inside and out. They lived to see the Messiah, but when the Messiah came, they didn't recognize him. Right. Because they didn't have a relationship. Yes. All they had was a religion. Wow. And so we have to get away from our rituals. Right. Absolutely. And we have to get back to living the life that Jesus had portrayed in front of us. And when we do that, you ready for this? then we won't have to debate because the Holy Spirit will check us. Mm. The Holy Spirit will heart and say, you know. Because see, that's what the Holy Spirit did to me. When, when I came to Pittsburgh, the first prophecy I got, now, now this is, I just got saved, and I had this, this, this ought in my heart towards white people. Mm-hmm. And the first prophecy I got was, the Lord told me to tell you to smile at every white man you see because <laughs> God's going to bless you through them. Wow. You think that's you think I wanted to hear that? <laughs> that's the last word that I wanted to hear. Yes. But the Holy Spirit knew that that was hidden in my heart. Yes. And he put a flashlight on that thing. And when he put that flashlight on it, I had to deal with it. And I dealt with it because I loved the Lord. Yes. Because I want to be pleasing in his sight. And because of that, I dealt with that thing, and guess what God did? Turned around and, and put white millionaires in my life that blessed me in some of the hardest times I've ever had. Yes. But if I hadn't dealt with that thing, yes. then I would have blocked my own blessing because God chooses who he's going to bless you through. Yes, absolutely. You know what? It's um, That's so befitting. You were talking about the 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 um, who is my neighbor. And when you look at the, the Good Samaritan, um, it was one of the lawyers that stood up in an interaction with Christ and said, you know, I've been living out all of the law. And Jesus said, you know, you need to love your neighbor as yourself. And he said, well, who is my neighbor? And the Bible says he stood up and said it because he wanted to justify himself. That's the first mm-hmm. big point there. He was looking for a way to justify himself. And when you begin to talk about these problems with racism in our nation, I think it's a natural response, especially as someone who claims to be a Christian, to want to defend yourself. And and, and looking introspectively is painful, you know, to find out, to look within all of us. And when we find the areas where we come up short, it's a painful, painful examination. So the Bible says he stood up and he was looking to to, to justify himself. And I thought it was so awesome that Jesus then tells him the story to Good Samaritan. And for those who don't know, um, the Jews at that time, they despised the Samaritans. And there was some racial tension 
between the Samaritans and the people of Israel. And so this history says that they would walk way out of their way to go away from the Samaritans. So here Jesus says, he tells them a story about a man who's beaten and the Jewish religious leaders walk down um, on the other side of the road, basically, and ignore the man that who had been accosted and beaten and robbed and left for dead. And then he said that a Samaritan came along that he poured in the oil and the wine into his wounds, cleaned up his wounds, put him on his beast, and he walked. And then he took him to an inn and told the innkeeper, you take care of him, here's some money. And when I come back, if there's anything else owed, I will pay the debt. Then he looked at the lawyer and said, now who was the neighbor to the man who was the victim? And he said, the one that came down and took care of him. He said, go and do likewise. Now here's the thing. Jesus was stepping beyond the, the bounds of social issues, those social walls, the racial walls, the, the historic racial tension and saying it is our responsibility to be a neighbor, not along political lines or socioeconomic lines or class lines or racial lines. It is our responsibility because we say we love God to exemplify him. And when God created man, he didn't create him in classes and in cultures and all the rest of this. He created man and woman. The Bible says created he them. And we are to go and do likewise. That's right. That's right. There's no doubt about that. And when we understand that, when we understand that our, our neighbors is our fellow man, when we understand that, then we will be like Christ. Right. We, we Christ, people have to ask themselves, does, does Christ want people to, to live in total poverty? Does he really want that? I mean, when he begins to talk about how you get into the kingdom of heaven, what, what did he say? He said, I was hungry and you fed me not. I was thirsty, you gave me no drink. I was in prison and you visited me not. He began to talk about the things that was our responsibility, as you were saying, our responsibility to do. Yes. I don't know where we as Christians get this from, that that's not our responsibility. It is our responsibility. God did not give us the resources for us to build our own kingdom. He mm. gives us resources that we may go and help someone else because that's how you show the love of Christ. Absolutely. That's worth that. But we are caught up in our own stuff. And I'm telling you, there's going to be a lot of people who are going to be shocked. Because yes. a lot of churches and a lot of people are building their own kingdom. They've never acknowledged God and mm -hmm. what God has called them to do. Absolutely. But they, because they have their resources, have built their own kingdoms. And five miles from their $40 million churches are people who are starving. Wow. Oof. And for that, we'll have to give an account to God. Absolutely. I, man, listen, you, you, you hit that nail on the head. When we, we look at what kind of resources we have as a nation, as a church, um, 
and how we choose to use those. It's not because we don't have it. It's simply how we choose to use it. I was on a mission field in, um, in Mexico a few years ago, and we were looking at one of the churches that they were building there. And um, we were, the area we went in was up in the mountains, very indigenous area. I mean, it was far from a city. We were up in the mountains and these precious people whom I just fell in love with, actually called home and said, baby, I want to move to Mexico. Um, I, I, I just, they, they had such a sincere love for God. And we went to look at the one church they had built and it was built pavilion style. Um, of course, there were no walls and the pews were um, logs uh, with pieces of wood that had been cut out of the logs and put on top of the logs. Those were the pews. They were just rudimentary benches and the same thing with the pulpit area. Uh, it, it blew my mind and, you know, they were doing everything they could to build this little church out there. And the guys told me they were making $2 per month. And I, I had to go into repentance immediately because I had, I had to realize that, you know, while I may not be wealthy by any stretch of the imagination, when it comes to some other parts of the world, I'm extremely wealthy and I need to rethink how I do things and what I choose to make important in my life. When, when you look at, look at what we spend on space exploration in, in America, and I know there has been a lot of complaint that we can't afford to have uh, people coming in from less affluent countries. We can't afford to have people come through the, the border. We can't afford it. It's too much. Blah, 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 blah. Um, so NASA in 2019 was given a budget of $21.5 billion dollars with a B. So space where no one lives, space where no one lives was given $21.5 billion. Meanwhile, we're separating families at the border and people are starving and we can't afford to invest in, you know, the, the, the programs that would help um, the less fortunate. When we look at, uh, and, and we haven't even really gotten a chance to dig into the issues with some of these that they're now saying that are unemployable. So you have a young man who, as a young man, he goes, he gets a felony. He comes out, he does the right thing. He gets himself together. Now he's a law-abiding citizen. Most jobs that require any type of certification whatsoever where you can have a livable wage, he is excluded from. And I use he general because it's men and women. So therefore... They are relegated to a, 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 a job where they can't make a living wage for the rest of their life, which causes repeat offense because they can't make a living in a lot of cases. And, and you know, we see it stacked against them, and yet we call ourselves a Christian nation. There is so much more that we could do. You know, let me ask you, we have about 10 minutes left, and I want to ask you this, a couple of questions, and, and if you can answer, you know, in just a few few uh, minutes here. First question, if you could say anything you could, you had a moment where all of our white brothers and sisters, white evangelicals, white believers were listening, what would you want to say to them? I, I want to say, as, as it is in Galatians 5.16, that if you walk in the Spirit, 
you shall not fulfill the lust of your flesh. And so I think the most powerful thing that they can do and that we can do together is walk in the spirit. Because if we're walking in the spirit, then Christ is speaking to our hearts. And if Christ is speaking to our hearts, then we will realize that God has put us here moral compass for the rest of the world. Mm. And if we would come together as the church, we won't have to worry about all those things that is happening because we would be the ones that have the answers. Mm -hmm. But we, but we can't tell president Trump not to spend them billions, right? Because we're spending doing the same thing in our churches. We're taking and building up all these things and, and we're not doing with the poor, what we're supposed to be doing and, and we're not making sure that we're not screaming. Why is it that we know that on one side of town that the kids are getting the best education and the other side of town, the kids don't even have books. Mm. So why isn't the screams on this side of town screaming loud saying, we can't stand for this. We want equal education for all. Yes. And so, so I, I think that we have to get out of our, our cultural mindsets. I hear that so much as a, that's my culture. No, you're supposed to be the Jesus culture. Wow. You're supposed to be what he stands for. So get out of that. That's not what we're supposed to be in. Yes. This is a temporary world. <laughs> we are to be, we are called to live a spirit-filled life. Yes. Why are we living less than? And so I would ask my brothers and sisters, let's join together. Let's preach the same gospel. Mm. Let's live the same gospel. Because when we do that, then we'll make a powerful impact. Wow. Absolutely. Um, second question. What kind of things are you doing locally to try to overcome some of these obstacles that, that we discussed today? You, you know, I hate to say this because it's kind of embarrassing. But I, I literally had to partner with nonprofit agencies in the world in order to get things done as far as the poor is concerned. Because I couldn't get brothers and sisters in Christ to come together and want to do great exploits. And, and so being able to partner with nonprofit organizations who for some reason have a heart for what's going on in the inner city, for what's going on with the poor, for what's going on with the disadvantaged. Partnering with them has strengthened my hands mm. so that we can be able to do what God has called us to do. And and, and I, I wish it wasn't so. Right. I, I truly do because I know that God has not called the government to do it. Right. He has not called the nonprofit organizations to do it. Mm -hmm. He's called the church to do it. Right. But, but the church has to be able to understand that we weren't called to be here forever. Right. But we were called to just make an impact while we're here until God calls us home. You know, as men, we, especially once we hit 40, we start to reevaluate our lives and, and we start thinking more about things like legacy 
and what we will leave behind. When you leave from this earth, what do you want to be your legacy? What I want to be, I, I, I want people to say that he was a true man of God that did the Lord and that he gave, that I gave everything. And I tell my church this all the time. When I go home, I want to be, I want nothing left in I want to have given everything. And uh, people say all the time, you do too much. You're always going too much. You're always doing. I'm like, this, this temple, this temple was meant for me to give everything that I can possibly give. And mm. at the end of the day, I want people to say, souls were saved, souls were delivered, and souls were set free. I think when my, when our father passed away and we were at his funeral, and I say it all the time, all of those pastors that were up on that pulpit that that were pastors now because my mm-hmm. our father yeah. witnessed to them and they came to Christ. Yes. I think that's the greatest thing. Absolutely. Man, forget about all this other stuff. I don't care about no houses, no cars, no education, none of that stuff. Yes. Oh, I know that only what I do for Christ will last. And I think that some of us pastors have forgotten. Yes. That we are going to stand before Almighty God. Yes. And we're going to give an account for everything we've done and everything we've said. Mm. And and that's that's where my focus is because that's reality. The rest is just temporarily. Temporary. It's not even real. Wow. You know, um, I'm asking you one final question and then we'll we'll wrap this up. Um, you know, we dealt head on with some very heavy, heavy issues today and very pointedly um what would you say to maybe the the young christian or or maybe there's christians just didn't understand and they felt maybe they're offended because it felt like it was pointed at them what would you say to them to to close this out i would say to you if if you're a young christian i would say that while you're listening to this or as you have been listening to this Pray a simple prayer. Lord, reveal unto me my heart. Reveal unto me what areas in my life need to be worked on. Because at the end of the day, my brother and my sister, my opinion doesn't matter. Hmm. What matters is how God views you. What matters is whether God's been talking to you and you haven't been listening. There's is what God is saying to you now. And God is such a loving God that when we blow it, and we all blow it, and if anybody tells you you don't blow it, they're lying to you. Mm-hmm. We all blow it. But the fact is, when you blow it, you can go to the throne and say, God, I'm sorry, and God will forgive you, and he'll restore you, and you can go on further. But please, I beg you, do not walk in ignorance. Do not. Walk in the spirit and you will not fulfill the lust of your flesh. Well, Pastor Maurice Trent out of uh, Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania, Lighthouse Cathedral, uh, my brother in multiple ways. I really, really appreciate this. You know, I, let me let me sum up with this. I, I remember years ago, I went into a place of business and was refused business because of the color of my skin. It wasn't the first time it happened, but it really caught me off guard. I was in Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania. It really caught me off guard. 
And when I responded, I did not respond like a Christian should. Um, I was, it was incensed. And when I got in my truck, I began to ask God, why did I respond the way I did? And the Lord took me back to church just a few weeks earlier when Mr. Reverend Fred Johnson had been there. And he talked about working a job where they were telling racial jokes and how he held his peace and just loved the workers. And I remember I was sitting in the pulpit, in the pulpit, and I'm sitting there shaking my head like, yeah, not me. And, you know, to me, it was like, no, as a, as a man, I'm going to stand up and I'm going to say something. And the Lord spoke to me and said, that exposed your heart. And I said, God, but I'm not racist. And he said, you're racist against racist. You're a bigot against bigoted people. You're good as long as they're good. But when they display hate, then you display hate. And God began to work on my heart to get me to where I was really like Christ who on the cross said, Father, forgive them for they know not what they do. And so Jesus was this enigma who clearly, distinctly and pointedly called out sin, but at the same time manifested such great love, even to the point of the cross. And thus is our goal on Character Matters. We're going to call out things for what they are, but at the end of the day, we are not the standard. My brother's not the standard. I'm not the standard. We will all be measured up against that ruler, that plumb line, which is the word of God. And if the word of God says it's right, it's right even if it's tight. Thank you all for joining and remember, character matters. That's this week's episode of the Character Matters Podcast. Don't forget to join us next week for another episode with your host, Gregory Trent. Thank you for listening.